and somebody asks you, are you ready? Ready or not, here it comes, right? Ready or not, if you're ready to run this race or not, it's a simple question of obedience. The Lord asks you, yes or no? And the answer, that's your choice. Yes. Right? Being obedient to God is as simple as that. In uh, Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes, he says, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure in heart. And I can look around the room and I look at myself first and go, I'm not pure in heart. And the enemy comes to us and tells us, You bet you're not pure in heart. You're not pure. I know what you were thinking. I know what you were looking at. I know who you were looking at. You know, and I, I love this. But, you know, the Lord is simple and He's good, and and He'll put you in His path, in His way. So when you're driving down the street and you see that silhouette of that girl on the sidewalk, and He says to you, "Just don't look at her. Just this once. Just pass this one." And there's a, there's the question that you get to answer: Yes or no. Yes, God, I'm going to be obedient to you, or no, I'm not. And when you say yes, something just happened. Something just happened to you. And when you say yes, Lord, and when the Lord says, we stand over here and talk to this man, will you uh, go pray with this person, or simple stuff, yes or no. And when you stack yes on top of yes on top of yes on top of yes on top of yes, that's pure. That's obedience. When you're obedient to God, and he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When I'm being obedient to God and saying yes to him, I'm being pure in heart. And if you stack all those yeses on top of yeses on top of yeses, I guarantee you'll see God working in your life. Because the enemy tells you you won't. Right? Pursuing faith, faithfulness, and godliness is a transformation of character. And it's, it's more than reformation. It's more like a revolution that happens inside you. This transformation of your character to pursue faith, faithfulness, and godliness is a revolution inside of you that's going on. And it's forged from the battles. It emerges from crisis and not from the classroom. You don't learn it in class. You learn it from going through trials and walking through the valleys. In James chapter 1, he talks about faith, or he talks about patience, I talk about this thing all the time. You, if you've heard me teach, you've heard me say this. And you'll, it won't be the last time. But as you're walking in, in James, in James he says we go for these little walks for patience. These little testings of your faith. So when you walk into a trial, and the Lord asks you if you're going to be obedient or not, you're going to be obedient in this, 
And he just wants you to trust him, right? Stop relying on yourself and trust him. So we take these little short walks with the Lord, patience. And he's walking with us in these little things, right? And it's just a short little small trial. And we were faithful and we're lifting our hands up. Lord, I just laid my life at your feet. Yes, that's what he's saying. Just trust me. And as you walk through these little trials, at the end of the trial, you see that he was faithful. Your faith increases. And you experience joy. Joy comes from faith. Faithfulness. So yes, there's rewards at this because joy comes from the Lord. If you go down to the store after the, the advance on Sunday and you get a get $5 in lottery tickets and you win a $50 scratcher, you're happy. That's happiness. I won 50 bucks. But that's not the ha- that doesn't come from being faithful. When you're faithful with the Lord and He comes through and you see Him working in your life because you chose to say yes and be obedient, you start to gain joy in your life. And then when you look at the end of the book of James, it refers to in the English it says patience again. But that patience is more, it's, per- it's perseverance. It's taking long walks with the Lord. Now he says, I've walked with you on these little stretches, and you trusted me. But now we're going to walk through the long stretches. And as we walk through the long stretches, we're going through the valley now. Now we're going through the valley. That patience is perseverance. And you all know, once you get to the other side of the valley, you get to experience the mountaintop, right? The joy of the Lord. The transformation of that character, of your character that's so revolutionary inside of you. The goal is simply, the goal is that our faith becomes unconscious. And becomes unconscious as a result of having a personal relationship with our King, with our Savior with our master, with our friend. Jesus Christ is our friend. Uh, I was reflecting this morning, I was talking to my friend Chris here a couple years ago, it was probably about two years, two and a half years ago, and he had this proposed question, and he came to me and he said, what is your position right now in Jesus Christ? And I, I never forgot him. He said, I said, um... It's like a trick question. I'm like, how do you answer this right? I just want to be right in this, right? And uh, I said, well, uh, I'm servant. And he looked at me, servant, okay. And then I thought about it a little bit more, and I thought, um, he's my king. And he said, he's my friend. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's great. He's my friend. That's Chris's position in Jesus Christ is Jesus is his friend. So if Chris is my friend, and we have a relationship together, but I never talked to Chris ever, do we have a friendship? Do we have a relationship? We don't. But if I talk to Chris, then we start to develop a relationship, and we start to become close. I start to know Chris, and he starts to know me. And that's the same for Jesus Christ. If you want to know him, then you've got to have a relationship with him. You've got to talk to him. So the, and once you do that and you develop a relationship with somebody, then your faith in that person becomes unconscious. 
So that's our goal, is for our faith to be in Jesus Christ to become unconscious to us. We don't have to think about it, we just act on it. And there is the, the thing of character that happens again, because, you know, I, I don't just run into Jackie's office and go, I think the Lord's calling me to uh, start a, I'm going to start this huge church, and uh, it's going to be massive, and I'm going to be a mega church, and I'm going to be this pastor of this mega church, and what do you think the pastor's going to say to you? Hold on, brother. Just hold on a second. You know, uh, we, we talk about Peter. And Peter uh, stepping out of the boat. And we decide, that's what I need to do. I need to step out of the boat, right? I'm walking in, walking in the Lord, and I, I got these things put in front of me, and all I need to do is step out of the boat and trust God, right? But when the pastor's saying, hold on, brother. You need to get in the boat first. You need to get in the boat first. Your faith, this character of Jesus Christ that's put inside you, is like a a hero sleeping inside of you that needs to be awoken. And that's why we're here, right? That's what this is about today, is for that to be awoken. That your faith... can become unconscious. You just act on it. I need a volunteer. Jackie, will you be a volunteer? I need you to come up here. Bring your Bible. Let Let me have your Bible. I want you to go up the stairs right here. Stand right here. And look up at that, that mountain, that rock. Right now, while you're looking at that rock, I want you to contemplate God's creation and the heavens and everything that's happening this weekend and what's going on with these men. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk back down the stairs. And when I walk back up the stairs, you'll hear me get to the top. Just stay here for, you know, seven seconds and then turn around. Luke, here's your lightsaber. (laughs) I am your father. (laughs) You know, the hero is waiting to be awoken inside of us to walk out, step out in faith. But again, you got to get out of the boat. The best example of that is in Matthew. If you turn to Matthew chapter 14, we'll take a look at it. I need some water. Can someone grab me a cup of water? In chapter 14, Jesus hears about the death of John the Baptist. He's beheaded. Thank you, bro. Verse 13 says, when Jesus heard it, heard about the beheading of John the Baptist, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. So he gets the bad news about John the Baptist and he 
gets in a boat and he goes to a deserted place by himself so he can pray. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them. And he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him. Saying, this is, the, this is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves, good, or buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass probably springtime, somewhere in there. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude, so they ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and the remained, or that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. That's not the point of what I'm going through, but it is leading into where we're going. And immediately... See, right then, if you look in John, the account from John, John says that uh, these men who had watched all this stuff were kind of, they're getting ready, they were getting riled up to go get Jesus and, and lift him up as king, make him king of Israel. So, it says here in verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him. He made his disciples Get into the boat. And that's what we got to do, is we got to get in the boat. Before you can step out of the boat, you got to get in the boat. So here's what he does. Get into the boat and go to the other side. That's what we need to achieve, to get to the other side, to go from where we are today to have an unconscious faith and just acting, when, when the Lord speaks to you, when the Lord moves and you see it, you act on it. Because what we normally want to do is, the Lord will do something and move or speak to me, and I'll go to Slade and, and go, I think God's talking to me, and uh, I think this is what he wants me to do, and then we'll discuss it, and then there'll be doubt, and then I'll go, but no, but this is what God's doing, or no, maybe not, and... Maybe I should go call Jackie or, or Chris or call someone and discuss it and figure out this is what I need to do. Maybe not. I don't know. And, but then here's what I read. And, and then I went and talked to this other guy. And, and Jacob, he was going through the same thing before I even said anything to him. He opened up the scriptures and said, this is what God's doing in my life. And it spoke the same thing to me. And all these things are starting to happen. And everything's swirling around, right? God's speaking to you. God is speaking. Get in the boat. You cannot step out of the boat until you get in the boat. Here's what happens when we get in the boat. Well, he sent the multitudes away. They got into the boat and they went to the other side. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. If we're looking at pursuing faith and godliness, Jesus is the example, right? If we looked all the way through from Matthew chapter 5 through 7, there's the example. There's the godliness that we're looking for. I taught the Beatitudes for eight years, over and over and over and over and over. And it, 
if you guys didn't give me something to teach, I'd teach that again. Because to me, it's critical discipleship. It is super critical. Jesus lays the layout for victorious life. Each one folds into the next one. Each one folds into the next one. And as you get to the end of them, you start to face persecution. But then after that, he says, go out and be salt and light. Each one of those starts with a blessing. See, most people think that the Beatitudes, they come with the blessing, you know, bless are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. There's a promise. But it starts with the promise. It says, blessed are. And the book of Matthew was written to the Jews. It was spoken in Greek. It was written in Greek, but it was written to Jews. So when you speak to a Jew and you say words like blessed, they're going to they go, this is a Greek word, translate Greek. Or are they going to go, this is how I was raised, translate Hebrew, Hebrew, Greek. Blessed in, the Hebrew, or blessed in Greek is happy. Want a $50 scratcher? I'm happy. Or, in the Hebrew, it means having God's favor. What do I want? $50 scratcher or have God's favor? Blessed are. It starts with the blessing. That means, in those Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. He's going to give me the ability to be poor in spirit. And then give me the kingdom of heaven. Like, who doesn't want that? He's going to supply the means and the need. I don't know if I said that right. Whatever. He's going to supply what you need to be the things that he wants you to be. He'll do the work. He's going to do the cleanup. Right? He's going to send his Holy Spirit into you to do that work in you. All we have to do is say, yes, I want to pursue faith. I want to pursue godliness. So what happens is he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. He, he made his disciples get into the boat Go to the other side. Then he goes up on the mountain and prays. Who's he praying for? What's he praying for? He's God. He's praying for everything, isn't he? Specifically, I wouldn't doubt that he wasn't praying for his, he was praying for his disciples that he may get in the boat. He's got a plan. Get in the boat. Go to the other side. Now he's praying for them. Now, when evening came, he was all alone there. He was all alone with the Father. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. The boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. All the things of life, all the things that come upon us when we say, yes, I want to be, I want to pursue faith. I want my faith increased. I want to be like you, God. I want to be like you. We pray for it. More of you, less of me. More of you, less of me. It's coming. We pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, our debts, our sins. And lead us not into temptation, or, or as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for evil, from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, right? That prayer is, that's it. it's super complete. It's all right there. 
bringing all of it to the point. And right now, Jesus is up on the mountain, and he's praying, and he's praying for the disciples that are in the boat. As the wind, all the things of life, again, when you say, yes, I want to I be like you, Lord. I want to be a Christian. I want what that man has. I want what that man has. I want what that man has. I want my life to be like that. I want to be transformed. I need a radical transformation in my life, a revolution going on inside of me. Because how many of us can look back after being a Christian for so long and realize I'm a different person today? I'm still Dave, and I'm still the same guy that sinned beforehand. I'm still that man. But there's something different now. And that difference is something's happened to my character. My character is becoming more like his. And as I pursue that faith and say, yes, Lord, do for me what I can't do for myself. Increase my strength. Because each one of us has been given a measure of faith from the beginning. You've been given a measure, however big that measure is. And our goal is is to increase it. For the Lord to increase that faith in us. That it might become unconscious and that I would just act on it, act on it, act on it, act on it. So here's what's happening. The disciples are in the boat. And the waves, they get tossed around. We start to get tossed around when we accept the Lord into our life. Even today, we start to get tossed around. The enemy, you know, we all heard the Casting Crown song. Um, the waves keep on calling out to me. You never win. Boy, you never win. But the voice of truth. Yeah, that's it. The voice of truth. Jesus up on the mountain, he's praying for these guys. And it says that they, they, they rode till the fourth hour. So they've been rowing all night, or the fourth watch. They've been rowing all night, getting tossed around the, by the waves. And the wind is contrary to them. That means the wind is against them. It's opposite them. The wind is against them. If they keep rowing and rowing. And that seems what happens in our lives sometimes when things start to get turned upside down and the drama's happening and people and this and that and the waves are tossing us around and the the enemy's saying, yeah, you're sinking. Or you'll you'll never get out of the sin that you're in because I own you and I own your sin. And you're going to the hell and burn along with me. The enemy wants, wants you to believe that. So after rowing all night and the disciples are getting worn out and the whole time Jesus is up there praying, up on the mountain praying because when we receive him and we start walking in his walk, he's interceding for us, right? He's interceding for us. He's interceding for the disciples right here. He told them, he made them get into the boat. Okay, you're mine now. You've decided to be mine. You've decided to walk with me. You're in the boat. You're going to the other side. The wind is against you. Life is against you. The trial is against you. The world is against you. But I'm praying for you. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. Phantasmo. It's a ghost. There was a common ghost, and they called it Phantasmo, and he was like a shapeshifter, and uh, it's kind of like uh, X-Men, the blue girl, you know? Anyway, more hero stuff. Um, 
But after all these trials and all these troubles, they're rowing all night, everything's against them, the wind's blowing in their face, they're getting tossed around, and they're like, great, after all this, now this, now we get a ghost, come on, right? We pray and we pray, Lord, take this away, take this problem away, when the problem isn't the problem that we need taken away, the, the issue is our character, our faith. Our faithfulness, the pursuit of it is leaving us and, and we're distraught, starting to lose hope. What is hope? Hope in the Greek is ellipsis, ellipse, elpis, elpis. The Greek term denotes confident expectation or anticipation. That's the end result of pressing into that faithfulness, right? But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I. Be of good cheer, it is I. Be of good cheer, it is I. Get into the boat, go to the other side. He goes up on the mountain to pray as he watches them traverse, live through the trial, walk through the trial row through the trial, get tossed around by the world. And at the end, when they're ready to snap and they see him, they cry out and they're like, great, what else is going to happen? He says, be of good cheer, it is I. I allowed all these things to happen. I'm, from, I'm the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I knew the storm was coming. Get in the boat. Get in the boat, men. Go to the other side. Go through the trial. You want it to be unconscionable faith. Let me share with you some of my testimony about being here. Um, my wife was adopted at birth. And she found out she was adopted when she was 16 years old. And from there on, she always wondered who her parents were, who, uh, who her mom was, who her dad is. And just after we got married, we were going to Jackie and Kathy's couple study. And uh, my wife is telling Kathy about the, the, where she's at, and Kathy starts praying for her, and some of the ladies from the Bible study are praying for her to find her mom. So my wife prays about it, prays about it, decides she's going she's gonna to start looking for her mom. So she calls me on the phone and says, I'm going to look for my mom. I said, okay. She's got the birth certificate, so she's got a name. So she goes home, gets online 15 minutes later. She's got a, she's got a phone number. 15 minutes. So... Um, the process starts all over again. She doesn't just get on the phone and call. She starts calling these ladies again and pray with me. You know, I don't know what to do. And uh, so they're praying with her again. And she finally says, okay, I'm going to call her. So she calls and says, hi, my name's Annalise. And uh, I was born in San Bernardino, California on such and such day at San Bernardino Memorial Hospital. And uh, I have a birth certificate and has this name on it. Are you her? Are you my mother? And the lady says, Yes, I am. And that lady lives in Buell. 
she lives in Buell. So uh, a couple years goes by, and Britt Heather gets cancer, right? Britt Heather gets cancer, who's the pastor of Calvary Chapel Buell, and he dies. Before that, Gerald Hagerman from Joshua Springs down in Yucca Valley, his wife gets the same cancer. So Gerald's wife dies before Britt Heather dies. Same cancer. So Gerald B. and his buddy comes up and they start, you guys know the story, right? Most of you guys know that story. Gerald starts sending guys up to start uh, coming up here to teach and Gerald's coming up to, to help and all that. And that was to, to me and my wife, that was like, whoa, that's weird. That's a, small to, that's a small podunk place. We live in a small podunk place and that's just too odd, Right? And while we were up here, we came up here and visited that woman, which turned out ugly. It wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. But while we were here, we went to church at Calvary Chapel, Twin Falls, and, uh, which is even weirder. So, ends up, Jackie comes up to pastor the church, which to me was like, whoa, that's weird. That's really odd. And Kathy tells my wife, you guys, are gonna, you guys are coming to Idaho. Like, that's too, that's obscure. Like, your mom's from this town. We haven't talked to her mom since then. Still to this day. She still lives in Buell. So, two years goes by, a couple years goes by, and uh, there are some problems at uh, the River Christian Fellowship, right? Over there. The church we went to, which was Twin Falls Calvary Chapel, uh, Gerald Hagerman's new wife, which was Brent's wife, Mary Lee, her brother, runs that whole place. Her son calls me in the middle of the night. He never knew the story that I came up here uh, and went to my wife and their mom and that whole piece of testimony. And he calls me and says, hey, would you be interested in just pray about this? Uh, my uncle uh, has to step down. I might go pastor this church. Will you come and be the assistant pastor? at the river and I thought whoa I went to that church eight years ago and uh, but that passed two years later it goes on and that guy BJ calls me again in the middle of the night and says hey I'm leaving would you please come and that was the third time okay Idaho I'm going to Idaho there's no doubt in my mind that God didn't do that he's a God of the beginning and the end he used that, my, that lady who was my wife's surrogate mom to be a flag for me. My whole testimony is just like that. Ever since I became a Christian, the Lord says, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. So what do you do? Do you question that or you just do it? Just do it. Faith needs to become unconscionable. And I knew when I came up here that I wasn't going to be there for long. And God put it on my heart, you're going to go there and you're going to do exactly what I want you to do. You're going to do the right thing no matter what. No matter what the cost. And the cost was, while I was there, I got to be on the radio. Like, woo, like uh, rock star kind of, you know, I'm famous or whatever. People would come in from vacation and go, oh, you're Pastor Dave. And I think, oh, Dirtbag Dave is who I am. <laughs> There's lots more guys way more qualified to teach on the radio than me. And people would say, oh, you got such a gift of, of dumbing things down and making them so simple. And I think, yeah, I just didn't graduate. 
Yeah. I have to understand it first. If I can't understand it, I can't tell you. So it's pretty simple. But the whole time I was here, I was here three months, and someone said, hey, uh, we built this house, and it's in Gooding. And maybe you guys want to come check it out. Maybe you want to buy it. And I think, that's, that's like way far away from the church. I just got away from doing that. For years, I drove 12 to 15, 19 miles to church, ministry, a couple times a week, all the time. I'm done doing that. Why would I go to Gooding? And then the problems start to develop, and I start to see the, the craziness. And uh, someone else says, Jackie says, hey, Gooding needs a church. Uh, uh, something along those lines. And uh, somebody else said it to me. Somebody else said, hey, someone from not even around here says, oh, that town Gooding needs a church. So it just keeps piling up behind me, right? And uh, so one day, a couple months ago, uh, eight months ago, nine months ago, these guys say, hey, let's go on a motorcycle ride. Where do you want to go? I said, I want to make this hoop through Hagerman and all that, and I want to go to that place Gooding. Take me to Gooding. So we're like, okay, we'll go to Gooding. So we go to Gooding, and we park downtown, and ends up this guy's meeting up with somebody else, so I get to walk around Gooding. And these guys are going, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm looking for a church. It's like, why are you looking at a church? You got a great place. You get to be on the radio and all this different stuff. And uh, I'm like, yeah, no, probably not. Uh, because God told me to do the right thing no matter what. And to compromise so I could be on the radio is not doing the right thing no matter what. And that's key to, to faithfulness, pursuing faithfulness. Do the right thing no matter what the cost. And trust him, and he will put the dock under your feet, just like we see what happened with Peter. He steps out of the boat, what happens? He's standing on the water. God puts it under your feet. He will bless you for being faithful to him. He will do it. He is faithful. We're unfaithful. He's faithful all the time, 100%. All you have to do is make sure that the character, see, we serve a God that we don't understand his ways. We don't know his ways, but we do know his character. So, the walk that I'm walking in, the faith that I have to obtain, is it God's character or is it Dave's character? That's when I might need some help. I'm Michael. Hey, Jackie. This is what's going on. Is it God's character or is it your character? It's God's character. Okay, then I can pursue it. When the rest of the world says, that's crazy. That's insane. Why would you do that? Because God is going to receive glory from your faithfulness. And what do you get from that? If you're walking in this crazy faith, are you not displaying godliness? Yeah, it's a matter of character. So as soon as I get to this I, uh, short story, it ends at the river. I tell the pastor, you shouldn't do this. At that point, the clock's ticking for me. I'm going to be gone soon. Amazing. I just was looking for a church, and now I know I need a church. And the day that, that it all ended over there, another guy calls me and says, Hey, totally out of the picture. This guy who lived in Hagerman, he moved to uh, California. He calls me on the phone. I met him once at the, at the 
Family Cat, Richard White. Richard White calls me on the phone as I'm going to the church. All this drama surrounding him, like, today's my last day, I know it. And I'm blessed by it because I did the right thing. Every week in the scriptures, unfolding in your life. It should be that way for you on Sundays or on Wednesday nights or in your devotional or in your small group Bible study. Somewhere, one of those studies should be where you are in your life and where you're walking, right? Because this is living and alive. If you're going through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, or if you're not, if you haven't started that yet, let me tell you today, take a book and start reading it. Start somewhere in the New Testament. Ask the Lord, what do I read? You listen. Either he'll, you'll know or you won't. And then you'll say, okay, well, maybe I'm going to start in Matthew. Know this. God wanted you to start in Matthew. And as you read your Bible and pray every day and you're walking in that, the Scriptures will start to unfold in your life. And you'll start walking through the Scriptures because it's alive. It wasn't just for 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago. It's for today. As I walked through the whole year at the River Christian Fellowship, I was walking through the scriptures, and it was evident to the whole church. And when the time came for me to leave, it was, in, it was the next chapter. What's going on next week? I don't know. Let's look at the next chapter. And that's how it worked. So that's how our church got its name. On Wednesday nights, we go through Isaiah. Isaiah has three portions. The first part, the second part, this middle section, Hezekiah. And then it goes on, everything is made new. And I will cause springs to spring up in the dry places. That's where we came with the church I came from was Joshua Springs. But that chapter said it right there, so it was just confirmed to me that's what I'm going to do. And I, I, was, I was asked by Gerald Hagerman, you know, you don't have to do that. Don't do that. I said, no, that's what's the ne- it's in the next verse. You don't, whether you get that or not, it's the next one. That's what it is. So I get to Gooding. This guy, Richard, calls me on the phone three minutes before it all happens. He says, Dave, I know things are kind of weird and crazy. I just want to know, will you start a church at Gooding? You know what, Richard, I'll call you back in an hour. Sure enough, I get there, and this guy says, well, this, this, and this. And as soon as he did, I raised my hands in victory. I told you all for a year. I told the same guy for a year. I'm going to do the right thing no matter what the cost, whether it costs me leaving here or not, and God's going to park the bus in the front yard and tell me where I'm going. Just knew. God told me. I just knew it. So when Richard did that, I walked into that office and this guy said, okay, this is what's going on. I raised my hand in victory. I said, I told you all year. God's going to park the bus in the front yard. I already know where I'm going. Have a nice day. Thank you. And I walked out and it was a testimony to everyone else. They're like, wow, amazing. Verse by verse, book by book, chapter by chapter. Start reading. Press in to Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whatever the study is, Sunday night. Whatever that certain one is that's touching you, dig in. And know you want to walk in faithfulness, you want to be in godliness, start living in it. Live in the word. God will do something crazy, miraculous in your life. I went there, on, I never missed a Wednesday night. Started teaching at this Bible study. Started going through Judges. This is a story over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Going through Judges. Every week seemed to be where this little Bible study was going. We look at this building. 
And I'm like, as we're starting to get up to crossing the Jordan and, and Jericho and all this stuff. And every week starts at like third week. I'm like, is this not worth this church? This little Bible study? Is that, you see what's happening here? And everybody's like, wow, yeah, this is what's happening. The county hospital in Gooding, the first hospital was there. It's big, single story. Um, I was showing that place and I thought, man, this would make an awesome church. This has just been sitting here for five years. I said, I told some of the ladies in the Bible study, we should start marching around this building. I say ladies because the men, they're like, oh, I'll march around, whatever, dude. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but the ladies are all fired up. Yeah. Well, you know, Dave, we already have been. We already been marching around it. I'm like, so, all right, let's meet and march around it again. Right? And I start talking to the owner of the building, and it, it just, uh, as we get to Jericho, and the Lord starts marching around. That's where we were. And when we get to, the Lord says, all right, you're going to march around for seven times, and you get to the end, everyone's going to shout, and each man will go straight in. The walls will fall down, and each man will go straight in. The key was given to me. The walls fell down. Now we're waiting for each man to go in. We're going to tear it apart and build a sanctuary. And we're going to tear it down, and then guys are going to come, and they're going to go straight in and do what they're called to do, what they know how to do. Every week, it's like unfolding. Is this not where we are? Where are you in the Word? Monday, I got a confirmation. Sid Lathami, he is helping us. Praise God, the guy who just helped us for free. Came to a couple services and said, I want to help you. Monday, he called me and said, Dave, you bought a building. It's a, it's a miracle, and it's, only, it's where we are in the Word all the time. Where are you? Faithfulness, pursuing it, your character. There, your life is like a little dot. Like this pin, if you make one dot, that's your life. And then proceeding from that dot, when you step into eternity, if has everyone in here received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? If you haven't, you probably won't raise your hand, but if you, if you haven't, raise your hand, tell me. Everyone has, right? So from that dot is this little arrow, and the arrow just keeps on moving all throughout eternity, right? Do we step into eternity... When you pass from this body? No, when you receive Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior, you stepped into eternity. You were born again. So we're in eternity now. Right? And if we're in eternity now, we're just waiting for this body to shed off. That's, that's just a process. One of the processes in the event, right? And if we look at it in that truth, where does that put your faith? I'm already walking in eternity. Where does that put your faith? Well, if we look at it like that, it could do anything. That's what Jesus has been saying all along. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, then you will move mountains. Not that mountain. Is it that mountain? Or is it the mountain of the things going on in your life? 
the governments, the situations, the things that rule over your life, those mountains, the mountain of the, the enemy that says you'll never win. But the voice of truth. So if we're walking in eternity, and the Lord says, hey, you want to play football? Let's all get, let's gather up. The enemy's out there. They want to play a game against us, right? So we get out there. We, do the to- we win the, to- the coin toss. And we're out there in the field. But the enemy's got the ball. And they're, like, they're like going to be on offense. And we're like, what's, what? what's going on? The enemy's like, oh, no, you're on defense. The enemy's a liar. He's lying, right? No, no, no. We're on offense. If we're walking in eternity, then you're on offense. Where does that put your faith? We're on offense. At the end of the book, it says we win, right? If that's the case, go big. Run to the end zone, right? Lord, I'll go for it. You got the glory. We get the glory. This little dot, get as much glory in there as you possibly can into that little dot. So that line that is eternity stops becoming a line and starts to become this block arrow. And the more faith that we have, the more that arrow increases. The more glory that we're going to experience in the kingdom of heaven. It tells us in Romans. The glory that will be revealed in you, the glory that will be revealed in you, all these other things in life, all the pain and the torture and all these things cannot compare to that glory, right? So do you want the little line? Or you want the block? Right? Your faithfulness is going to create godliness And your godliness is going to create the light of life that the Word talks about. Ezekiel chapter 48, I believe. Chapter 47, Ezekiel 47, says, And then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the front of the temple faced east, for the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces the east, and there was water running out of the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. He measures the water, 1,000 cubits. And the water came up to my ankles. So he measures 1,000 cubits from the temple. And the water, the guy says, come on in. Come in the water. He steps in the water. And it's up to his ankles. That's what happens to us in the beginning, right? You step in, get your feet wet. Like, oh, yeah, I'm standing on the Word of God. Things are good. Oh, yeah, I'm reading. Reading my Bible. I'm starting to see what's going on here. I'm learning. Got my feet wet. People are talking about ministry. I think it's kind of tickling my ear what's happening. Right? And here's what happens. He goes again. He measured 1,000 and brought me through the water, and it came up to my knees. So he goes, comes down, comes down, 1,000 more, come in the water, come in the water. He steps in the water, it comes up to his knees. It was a picture of prayer, right? 
hitting our knees. Our walk. Now I'm interceding. Things are a little different now. I got my feet wet now before, but now I'm really pressing in. I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying. I'm interceding for you. I'm interceding for you and I'm interceding for you. And Jesus is interceding for me and I start to see what's going on. I'm praying on the prayer chain. I'm engaging in prayer groups and all these different things are happening. I'm up to my knees, right? And then he says, come out of the water. Come down a thousand more. We come down a thousand more. He says, all right, come in the water. He says, I came up to my loins. That's a place of fruit. The loins, right? A place of fruitfulness. Now I'm up to my loins in the Word of God, in the water. And life is starting to come out of it. I'm starting to be a light now. Ministry is starting to happen. I'm engaging. God's doing something in my life. You know how, what He does, right? He puts something on your heart. God gives you the, we are talking about it yesterday. God gives you the uh, desire of your heart. And then he gives you the desire of your heart. What does that mean? It means that God put something on your heart a long time ago. He gave you gifts. He gave you talents. It's already there. He gave it to you in the beginning. He put something on your heart. And then once we're up to our waist in the water, we're going, yeah, Lord, I think I want to do this. And the Lord's like smiling. Yeah, yeah, you do. Can I do this, Lord? And he's, and he's saying, yeah, you can that's what I meant to happen. But then he calls him out of the water again. Come down a thousand more. He goes down a thousand more. And he, he says, I get into the water. And it's overwhelming. It's over my head. That's where you want your faith to take you, right? Over my head. Over my head. Right now, our church is over our head. We're small Basically, I don't know, I've been there, I moved there in September. We're getting, we got a building way over my head, rushing down the river. And the Lord says, that's how you know my people. Where the wind blows, there they are, there they go, right? Do you want to have being, get, just get your feet wet and you're comfortable with that, I'm just getting my feet wet? I'm going to engage and this is how I'm going to engage, I show up on Sunday and that's it. Are you up to your knees? You show up on Sunday and Wednesday? You start to pray now? Or do you want to be up to your waist? You're showing up on Sunday and Wednesday and Thursdays and Tuesdays and you're helping with the kids and you're helping with that and the youth and starting to do Bible studies? Or do you just want to be swept away by God? I want to be swept away. God, take me. Use me. Forget all this stuff. All these things in this life and be swept away. Pursue it. Step into the river. Get in the boat. If you don't get in the boat, you can't step out of the boat. And Peter here, later on, it says that after that, Peter said, if it's, if it's, he said, Jesus like, said, be of good cheer, it is I. So Peter's like, well, if it's you, let me come out of the boat. That's a whole other teaching. I'm not going to get into that, but he got out of the boat, right? And God supplied the solidness under his feet until fear. Until the world says, ah, you're sinking. No one can stand on water, dummy. You can't do that. You can't move to Idaho. And you're, you're an idiot, Dave. Who's going to let you on the radio? Like God? Because that's what God does. He uses the foolish to confound the wise. 
If he's going to do that, why don't I just go in over my head, right? So here's, here's what I, I, I'll say for today. Prepare yourself for tonight. The session that happens on Saturday night, the afterglow, all that stuff, prepare your hearts today. Spend some time figuring out where you are in your faithfulness, in your godliness, in your pursuit. Where am I? Am I just standing still? Am I walking? Am I kind of dragging my feet? Am I limping? Do I got a pace? Or am I running? Where are you in your pursuit? And make a decision today where you want to be because God wants you to be there. And if it's on your heart to step up, stand up, and do something, then do it because God put it on your heart. Go big. He's saying, go get the glory. I already, I've given it to you already. When you receive my son into your heart, I've given it to you. And you might be sitting here today, like I heard a, a guy behind me last night crying out to God, saying, Lord, forgive me. Jesus Christ is awesome. This is the last thing I'll say. When he went to the cross... He became the sin. All of it from the beginning to the end. He became it. So for him to become it, he had to take all of it from all of you, everyone that you would ever commit and everyone that everyone else could ever commit. And he became that. And then as soon as he became that, he died. That means he, he, he took it. He, he destroyed it. So if you're holding on to some to sin today, I would tell you, you need to be in that today, thinking about it, so you can give it back to him because he paid for it. It belongs to him. If you don't give it back to him, you're stealing it and you're only going to pay the price, your own price. So just remember that the Lord is saying, that's right, give it to me. Give me your sin. Let me have it. That's right, that's right. Don't listen to the enemy. He wants you to run away. Give it to me. And when you start to say, okay, Lord, here it is. Okay, Lord, here it is again. Okay, Lord, here it is again. And you start to feel bad like you're Catholic, right? Maybe there's some recovering Catholics here. Like, oh, I did it again. I did it again. I did it again. And the Lord's saying, just come on. Just keep giving it to me. I know. I knew from the beginning. That's why I died. I took it. I bought it. He's gracious, right? And he's good. Prepare your hearts for this evening. Know where you are. Are you running? Are you pursuing? Are you? Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand. Father God, we just thank you for sending your son. And given this whole book on how to pursue you. And that you are gracious and that you do stack grace upon grace. And you're relentless to us, Lord. You're faithful to us when we're not faithful. And we cry out to you, Lord, please do for us today what we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, you tell us in your word to pray continually that we would be found worthy to enter your kingdom, Lord. And I pray that every man here today, in his heart, 
would choose yes and be found worthy to enter your kingdom. Lord, give us the ability to run the race. Blessed are. Let us be blessed in you, Lord. Do we might shine your light. That the light shines from us isn't a created light, but it comes from the creator. We ask you to bless the rest of this day in our hearts. That we might press deeper into you, Lord, and find you in that deep place. And we lift all these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Right. I need 